podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Jamie Steyer getting the week off this week. Andy Mitz is joining us in a few minutes, as well as John Fitzgerald. We're doing our Kansas football preview. John wrote a great write-up on the four-quarterback battle brewing in Lawrence. We're talk about that. Who seems like the likely candidate to get the starting job? Year one for Brent Deerman as the OC. True year one. Uh, and make some predictions. What 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 is a fair expectation for Kansas football in 2020? And I will tell you what three games I think they win this year. Yeah, I'm going to give you a sneak peek on how I'm going to stack the conference when I'm allowed to do so at Big 12 Media Days this summer. I have Kansas in last place at 3-9. and I will tell you what three games I think they win with an understanding that I actually do believe there's a good shot they win more than three, but those are the three I feel most comfortable with. Uh, Before we get to that, Let's talk about the thing that everyone is talking about right now as far as college football. Folks, I understand that the feeling that college football happened is starting to slowly wither and evaporate for many people. On Friday, 14 Kansas State football players tested positive for COVID-19 coronavirus. and Kansas State has put a pause, a halt on workouts for the next two weeks. I know that there's a feeling that, that football seasons don't happen. And that's a fair feeling. I don't know jack anything. I am not a scientist. I am I'm not a public health professional. I'm not any of those things. I'm just a guy who reads the things and talks about them. I read about what's going on and I talk about what's going on. If we've learned anything from since this virus started here in the U.S. back in March, you have to take it day by day. You have to understand that trying to predict what's going to happen 
couple months from now, now is a bit of a fool's errand. Now, I saw that to say this. I am not as concerned about the 2020 season as everyone else is. Do I think it's going to happen? Yes. Am I 100% confident of that? <laughs> God, no, I'm not stupid. I wouldn't put money on it. But do I still feel confident, fairly confident that it's going to happen? Yes. Do I think that the season is going to go off with 12 games for every team? God, no. No, I do not. Not at all. Because the concern to me is not with players testing positive now. We can deal with players testing positive now. Shut things down. Quarantine. Separate. Do everything we can right now. The concern is going to be when this comes in the fall. If you are someone who listens to my show, and I highly doubt you are, because I am how I am, and while I am open to all sorts of opinions and feelings, if you want to come at this show with the political view that this is all overreaction and a hoax and we should just calm down, it's not a big deal, I'm okay if you don't listen to my show anymore because this is not politics. This is an opinion. This is a real virus that's causing real damage and killing real people. So if, before anything else, if you can't take this virus seriously, if you don't care, I, I don't care if you don't listen to my show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that out there now. I have a wife who is due in the next month. I have a 17-month-old daughter. I'm going to have a newborn baby here soon. And if you want to tell me that they're safe, they're not. Because you have no idea. I wear a mask when I go shopping in public. I wear a mask when I go to a restaurant until my food arrives. I follow these rules even though they're not required where I live. The virus is real. The virus is going to impact college football this season. Whatever your high hopes are for the season, and, and trust me, I'm an Oklahoma State fan. Okay, So you already know the stuff I'm having to deal with as far as the state of the program and college basketball, and the fact that the 2020 season that we were all very excited about is about to get. Just understand, this season is going to be weird. It's not going to be perfect. Things aren't going to go our way. And you're going to be angry. And you are allowed to be angry. You are allowed to be frustrated. You are allowed to be angry. You're allowed to feel emotions. You're allowed to be unhappy that, that, that life is the way it is right now. It's not fair. It's not cool. It's not fun. Feel free to vent. But don't allow your frustrations to twist your morality and your viewpoint into something that is just stupid, ignorant, and wrong. So look, take a deep breath. Understand that this stuff changes all the time. You knew there would be positive tests when players arrived. You knew that if teams didn't take it seriously, when players arrived, that more players were going to contract the virus and players are going to continue to contract the virus. Unless you create a bubble situation like they want to do with the NBA, players are going to contract the virus. I would be more concerned with it disrupting the season than I am with things right now. So I pray for the players. I pray for the coaches. I pray for anyone around them, family and friends who could be impacted by this. And that's the only thing that we should all be doing is being concerned and worried and, and hoping for the best outcome for the player's health, for the coach's health, for the staff's health, and for the friends and family of those around you. That's it.
and worrying and stressing and deciding that football is not going to happen isn't going to make you any happier. So I would suggest you just all together, just deep breath. I'll accept that most of majority of us, very, very small few number of people really know all that much about it. So let's just hope for the best. Try and, and, and think that the best can happen. And that can make a lot of us feel a lot better. So, now that I said all that, do us a favor. Give us a follow on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. There is an article from Fitz that we are going to talk about. We are going to tweet that article out about the four guys contending for the starting quarterback position for Kansas. You're going to want to read that article. I, I think it's good, even though we talk about it here. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. Uh, leave us a rating and a review. Five stars, please. A review if you don't mind. I mean... If you don't like us, you can tell us. It's fine. I'd, I'd prefer you just, you know, said nice things about me. I could, I think we could all use some nice words right now. Uh, and with all that said, uh, let's talk a little uh, Kansas Jayhawk football. All right, we're going to continue our 2020 season previews. Because we're just going to continue to assume that there will be a 2020 season. I don't know what kind of mutated freak thing that it is, but it'll be something. Uh, Today, we're previewing the Kansas Jayhawks because there's never a good time to preview the Kansas Jayhawks. We might as well just get it done. Sorry, guys. Uh, Two guys here with me today. Uh, One of my my usual co-hosts, Andy Mitz from the Rock Chalk Talk, Rock Chalk Pod, and 1012. Uh, And joining us for the first time, John Fitzgerald, uh, who's a KU football blogger for... Okay, so John, now I read the story we're going to reference on Saturday Tailgate. So is that where you normally write, or? Yeah, so now, yeah, because I was with uh, <clears throat> with uh, HawkJock.com, which was a, a website that my buddy had created, and I was the main blogger for that. This other site, uh, some other guys that reached out to me, it's, it's SaturdayTailgate.com. They've been around for, um, I'm pretty sure, a few years. Very cool. Well, um Let's just start there, John. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on and the reasons I want to go ahead and do Kansas was you wrote a really good article um, talking about what I think is probably the biggest quarterback battle in the Big 12 this year. You had a lot of guys returning, so there's not a, a lot of true competitions, but there absolutely is. Kansas, uh, Carter Stanley had a had a nice season last year in his senior year, uh, finally got to, to show the potential that I think a lot of people that paid attention to Kansas saw from him but wasn't really taken advantage of uh, until Les Miles got there. Um, so this is a this is a true four way battle um, from from what you've written, and I, and I want to kind of get your thoughts on. Uh, let's just, just kind of give me an overview of all four guys, and I, in no particular order, whatever order you want to give them, in, and kind of where you would rank them as of today. Um, let's see. So yeah, that's kind of tough to rank them. Um, you know, I, <clears throat> I would say. Uh, Number one, the clear number one favorite uh, is going to be Thomas McVitie. Uh, really, it just comes down to experience. He's a senior. Uh, you know, he first started out with Pitt. Um, I think he got a little bit of playing time there, and then he ended up um, – I think he redshirted, and then he ended up transferring to JUCO. Played a, uh, some time there, and then he um, came to Kansas, transferred to Kansas – and he hasn't had, I mean, much experience. Obviously, I think he got in maybe one or two games. Um, didn't obviously do much. I think he threw for a pass, got an interception. But I think he's he's the clear 
favorite to start because of his experience and because he was brought in to start. Uh, when you bring in a JUCO player like that, obviously you want to use that scholarship for, for a starter. So um, I think obviously they're looking for him to step up and, uh, and be the starter. Uh, he's a big guy, six foot five. Uh, he can run if he needs to run. He's very, I think, uh, 4.6 um, is his 40, I think. He's pretty fast for a tall guy. So um, I think they said it was four, four, six, I mean, something like that, but it was, he's, he's pretty fast. But um, the biggest issue with him is his accuracy. Uh, so that's really what they're going to run into with, with him. So if, if he worked on it this off season, obviously we're going to be able to tell. Um, but yeah, he, he's definitely the clear number one. Number two, um, this is where it gets kind of tough. Um, you know, you would think Miles Kendrick because he has the experience, but I'm going to go ahead and say the number two uh, is uh, Jalen Daniels. Uh, just because of the promise that he has coming in, uh, the potential, uh, he's he fits the RPO offense. I mean, when you think of a guy that, that Brent Dearman wants to bring in to play in his style of offense, you think of a guy like Jalen Daniels. He's not a tall guy, but he's fast. He can run the ball. He can throw. Uh, he has very quick decision-making skills, which is a very important part of the RPO offense. Um, and, you know, I think, it, in my opinion, I actually think he is the favorite to win the job, but it really comes down to how he's going to uh, fit in. I mean, as a freshman, it's really difficult to uh, to come in right away and and to start a quarterback. So, um, yeah, I'd have him second, third. I would have Miles Kendrick uh, because of his experience. Uh, he played when David Beatty was here. I think he got in four games, um, and he it was just very mediocre. Wasn't really we didn't see a ton from him. Uh, he kind of reminds me of a Michael Cummings, just how his how he looks he's just a solid guy that um you know he can he can run the ball he can pass if he needs to but again his accuracy just isn't there so in, in his decision making he, do, he doesn't make decisions as, as quick as he probably should especially in an rpo style offense um and then you have jordan medley which i think is the dark horse um of all of this he's uh he's a big dude i mean he's six two he's a d1 athlete i mean the dude is just he's a monster uh, I'm not sure that he will end up staying at quarterback. That'll be interesting to watch because he's such a good athlete. Uh, you know, he, who knows where he could end up. Um, but, uh, it'd, it'd be fun to see, see him come. I mean, he's, I heard he's a competitive dude and, uh, you know, he's dead set on giving it, um, you know, a shot to, to start this year at quarterback. So, um, but I think his biggest issue is that he played at a 3A school, which is a much smaller high school. Um, mm -hmm. And so that might I – mean, his numbers were incredible. Don't get me wrong. But it's – I mean, you know, it's a whole different bag, man. You know, and then you step into uh, to Power 5. Um, you know, that that's going to be – it's going to be an adjustment period for him. So, um, but, yeah, I would – I'd say McVitie is, is the favorite – on paper, but um, I think Dearman, I would assume, probably would prefer Jalen Daniels. Yeah, to go ahead and jump in here, I, I actually I think I have to disagree with your order. Um, 
I honestly think that Miles Kendrick is probably the slight favorite at this point. And I think it's just because he fits in better. He, Brent, Brent Deerman has said already that it's between Miles Kendrick and Thomas McVitie. And I think part of that is kind of what you were talking about. It's hard for a freshman to come in. And when you have no spring practices, so he couldn't have gotten here early, you know, there's not a lot of summer workouts. They're, you're really behind the eight ball there trying to get everything else fit in. It's going to be really hard for either of the two freshmen to really jump in. Um, Jalen Daniels, I think, fits enough because he is that Brent Dierman prospect that he could be one of those guys that if something happens and they're not getting what they're expecting, you know, four or five games into the season, then they could go ahead and throw him in there and see what he could do and give him that opportunity, play him for a few games and then decide if they want to keep playing him the rest of the year or if they want to, you know, pull him out so he can go ahead and use his red shirt. Um, you know, but I just, I just think that Thomas McVitie, unfortunately, has been that guy that's kind of just been hamstrung wherever he went by things that are completely out of his control. You know, he, he went, uh, you know, he was, he was at, at Pittsburgh um, and the guy that recruited him there left. And then, you know, the offensive coordinator, that was there for his year that he redshirted left. So he went to a community college, went to Mesa, um, you know, and played really well there. And then comes to Kansas to play under Chip Lindsay, who leaves before he even steps foot on campus. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the offensive coordinator switches halfway there. So he has not had a consistent system. He unfortunately has not had a really strong shot, but everywhere he goes, he gets recruited to a place and then they change everything on him. And so, it's not really been his fault that he hasn't been the starter anywhere consistently. Um, but I think there's going to be another one of those situations where Brent Dearman's system looks a whole lot different than what I think Chip Lindsay would normally be doing, um, you know, or, or uh, less, less Keening would have done with him. And so I think, I think there's a lot of that there where, you know, he was unfortunate to get beat out by Carter Stanley last year to not really get a chance to show what he could do. And I think Miles Kendrick is just a better fit for what Dearman wants to do. Now, obviously a lot of that, is going to depend on things that we don't know how much how much of the reps were each of them getting in terms of the backup reps um you know and like McVitie was really kind of hurt out by the fact that Les Miles' son transferred to come play with him because otherwise I think McVitie probably would have gotten all the backup reps instead of instead of uh you know uh Miles' son and so like I think that really really hurt him quite a bit and I just don't know that he's ever going to get over the hump to be able to start here um you know, obviously, if he has a really strong camp when they're actually starting with workouts and he picks up the offense a whole lot faster than Kendrick does, then I think he would be the guy. But I just think given what Kendrick's, Kendrick's abilities are and what he's able to do, it's going to be a more natural fit to really utilize everything that Brent Dearman wants to do, um, you know, in that playbook. And so that's where I'm really expecting them to go is Miles Kendrick to start the year. I, I do agree that, you know, if it's not him, it's probably going to be Jalen Daniels. Uh, because he's just going to impress them so much. But I do think that Jalen Daniels is probably the future. So, you know, Miles Kendrick, if he doesn't get the start this year, then he probably is not going to get an opportunity to start next year either. So I'm I'm curious you guys. Um, obviously, this is a weird year. As you mentioned, Dan, you know, spring ball. Um, this is going to be really tough for incoming freshmen to get an opportunity to really see the field unless there's an obvious uh, route for them to do so. Or they're just very talented. But I'm curious where you guys stand on the notion. You know, Oklahoma State dealt with this a bit. Uh, two years ago, uh, when Spencer Sanders was a true freshman and they went with Taylor Cornelius for the season, do you, are you the kind of person who would say, even if it means we suffer a loss or two and you have to deal with the bumps that a true freshman gives you? I mean, you could even point to TCU last year um, with Duggan. Would you rather start the true freshman and, and let them get those bumps out of the way, in theory, to <clears throat> shorten 
how long it's going to take for them to get ready? Or do you think they need to sit for a year and and wait and, and, and see if they can't learn the system and then be prepared for their redshirt freshman season? I'm not sure that Kansas has time to wait. Um, you know, so in my opinion, <clears throat> Britt Dearman is a guy that likes to get going. And he's not a guy that he's ready to, he's ready to win now. You know, he's ready to put a guy in. He's ready to get his, his system ready right away. So, you know, granted it is, it's tough to start a freshman, especially over a senior and you got another junior out there. Uh, both could start, but I don't think that's going to be anything that's going to be on Brent Dearman's mind whatsoever or, or just Kansas in general, because we're, they're in a position right now where they need to get things going now. And the sooner you get a quarterback in there, that could actually stay in that position for multiple years. The more consistency you're going to have within that, within the offense. And that's what they need. You know, they, they need to get that consistency going ASAP. Because you think about it, you start either Miles Kendrick or um, Thomas McVitie, and that takes a year. You know, then then next year you're going to have, um, you know, a whole other quarterback race. You could you could say that okay, well Thomas McVitie is going to you know if he starts this year, then we're going to assume that Jalen Daniels is going to end up starting next year. But you can't really assume that because he hasn't started yet. You know what I mean? He didn't win the job. So, um, you know, I think at this point they're. I, I I feel like Brent Dearman would prefer a guy like Jalen Daniels to come in and start right away just so he knows that, okay, he can start. He started this year. And if we, you know, obviously his mindset's not going to be like, if you know, we, if we sacrifice a couple games, then whatever. I don't think that's his mindset. His mindset is going to be get this guy ready as soon as possible so we can win as soon as possible. And so we can set ourselves up for the future much quicker. Yeah, I also, though, don't think he's going to throw him out there just because he thinks he's the better guy in the long run. Um, you know, Brent Dearman, every stop that he's been, has shown the ability to use his system to adapt it to the guys who are out there playing and be successful. And so, like, you know, I mean, like, he had a stretch where there was, like, four or five games where he was playing a wide receiver as their main quarterback because of injuries. So, like, and they won those games by quite a bit. So it's not like, you know – I think he can take anybody that they throw out there. So really what it's going to come down to is who does he think the best option is? If Jalen Daniels needs some additional seasoning, I don't think he'll, he'll hesitate at all to say, let's go with one of these other two guys, you know, let him get kind of get that seasoning as the number two. And then I also think this would be different if this, you know, if the new red shirt rule wasn't in place where you can play up to four games and still get your red shirt, because if, if that wasn't in place, then the minute you play Jalen Daniels, you play him the entire year. But now I think you're at a point where you can either decide to play him early and see how he does. And if he struggles, then you can go ahead and pull him, you know, work with him and build him up. Or they could go the, al the alternate route of, you know, they recognize early that maybe he's not quite ready to start. He needs to kind of see how everything's going, see how they do things at a, you know, a big 12 power level and kind of get that moving and then allow him to start later in the year where you think you can find a good spot for him to come in and use those four. So, they have a lot of options here. Brent Thierman, the one thing he's shown is that he's extremely flexible. Like, I don't think that even if he doesn't start the beginning of the year, you may see him later in the year. Um, but unless he's just absolutely lights out, ready to go, beating everybody else, and when he finally gets into camp, like, I don't see him starting the year, and I don't see them going with him super early because they do want to build that momentum to try to get as many of those early wins as they possibly can 
And if Jalen Daniels is still kind of shaking off, you know, getting acclimated to the new system, getting acclimated to the higher level of, of football, then, you know, they are going to do what it takes to win, whether that is start the freshman, let him, you know, deal with a few things, but realize he's going to be special in his first year or start with his junior or senior, ride them out as long as you can, and then get Daniels some of that experience later. So Brent Dimon entering his first full season in charge of the offense. Obviously, you know, he took over after the bye week. We had that game that they probably should have beaten Texas uh, in Austin after the bye week when, when Dearman had officially taken over. Uh, but we first saw what Dearman could bring to the offense in that week three, just absolute shocking smackdown of Boston College, which is still one of the most startling things I watched last season. Like, uh, no idea what was happening. Now it's it's his offense. It's it's his to run. I know this offseason, as we talked about, and everyone knows, has been weird, so it's unlike anything else. But what should realistic expectations be for Brent Deerman in, let's call it, year one of running the offense in Lawrence? Real, real quick, because it definitely is year one, because even though he took over at the bye week, they only had two weeks to install as much as they wanted. He was on the record of saying that, you know, he didn't try to install his whole system. He tried to take elements of that system and introduce it to what they were doing and start to mold it throughout the, the remainder of the year. But it was a lot of taking a lot of the terminology, taking a lot of what they were already doing scheme-wise and just tweaking it as opposed to really installing what he wants. So this is going to be year one of his system because he's going to have that opportunity to really put in what he wants to put in. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> as far as expectations, um, you know, I don't know. It's, I think we're, we're going to see more games like um, the Texas game and the Iowa state game uh, where it's going to be more competitive. You're going to see our offense moving the ball, uh, you know, but it, again, it's, it's still going to take, you know, some time, obviously we didn't have uh, spring football this year. So, you know, that's going to set us back, you know, even a little bit more. It hurts us more than it hurts a lot of teams because we have, you know, a new offensive coordinator other teams that are, you know, let's say for instance, Oklahoma, you know, they're consistent and they're a well-oiled machine. It wasn't a big deal for them, but for us, it's going to be definitely going to be a little bit more difficult to recover from something like that. So it does set us back, sets him, you know, his offense uh, back a little bit more, but uh, as far as expectations, you know, it's, it's tough. We haven't seen a good Kansas offense in, I mean, how long? I mean, I guess last year was really the first time that we actually started to see some things working really yeah. well in, in uh, a decade. Um, but it was so inconsistent. We'd have one game where uh, we'd play extremely well, and then, you know, we had that that TCU game that was a complete dud. Um, you know, we're going to – I think we're going to see – if we can, if, if he can stay com consistent every game, our offense can stay consistent and we can compete in these games and score at least 20 points a game uh, and have a couple games where up, you know, upper 30s, I think that would be a huge improvement for us. But we can't have any more games where we're scoring seven points against uh, one of the worst teams in FBS uh, or we're putting up, you know, 14 points against TCU. Uh, that was just, in my opinion, probably the – worst game of the year for us uh it was just that was pretty rough but i mean i think we're gonna see less of that we're gonna see uh more of a well-oiled machine but uh, again 
you know, it's, it's hard when you haven't seen an offense uh, consistent as, as Kansas is, has had the experience, has had the issues with in the last decade. It's, it's hard to really put a lot of expectations on it. Yeah. The other thing to keep in mind though, last year is obviously those first six games were under a completely different offensive system. And yes, the Boston college game was what Brent Deerman wanted, but it was Brent, Brent Deerman's offense was a package in that offense. And so it was something that they had intended to use at times to hurt Boston college. And it started working so well that they went ahead and just played it the rest of the game. Um, so, I mean, that really was not Brent Deerman's offense the first six games. And then if you look at it, like in his or in his six games, five of those were against ranked teams, you know, because Kansas state was ranked when they played them. Oklahoma state was ranked when they played them. Iowa state was ranked when they played them. They got more competitive as, as time went on, they kind of ironed out a few things, but Kansas state had a really good defense last year. Oklahoma state had a fairly good defense for most of the year. And Baylor was just a monster of a team that, you know, like they had a, a phenomenal defense last year. And so what you saw was, you know, in games where Kansas wasn't super outmatched by super talented defenses on the other side, like they actually got into big steps. They, they played really well against the other team. And, and I know that I realize it's going to get Iowa State fans mad at me again for not lumping them in because <laughs> Kansas scored you 31 points against them. Angry. But, but that was also one of those games where it was, it was, it was just back and forth. And I think Brent Deerman finally figured out what to do against, you know, because playing against Texas Tech, Texas Tech didn't have a really good defense last year. They had a couple games where they were really good in spurts. And Texas honestly didn't have that great of a defense last year either. And so he started facing these really good defenses and kind of started to figure it out as they went along. And then Baylor just ramped that up to a whole new level to end out the year. I don't think there was anything wrong with what he was doing. And I think moving forward, we're going to see a whole lot more of those Texas and Texas Tech games than anything like what we saw against TCU or, you know, any of those other games where they just didn't do anything because of how adaptable his system is and, and how everything, you know, how he's able to take what is on the field and turn it into something, especially when he has time to game plan for it. I don't know, you know, I don't know how many of those games are going to be competitive just because I'm not sure what we're going to get on the defensive side. Um, but I can guarantee you that there is not going to be a game where they are blown out by 21 points and they're scoring you know, less than 21. They're, they're going to be scoring in bunches this year. The question is always going to be, is the defense going to be able to keep them in those games? So looking at this season, I, I, if you look at Bill Connolly's numbers, Kansas has got, is ranked 126 out of 127 in returning production. Um, that, that balances things in a, in a slightly different way. Obviously, Hakeem Nadenegi is gone. Sort of Canley, Stanley Carter is gone. Um, the other running back who transferred out, whose name completely escapes me right now, which is really terrible. Um, thank you. Kansas feels like they've lost some, maybe not a ton of players, but they've lost a lot of really important, really talented guys. Uh, and I know that the roster has a good number of juniors on it, which is, is good for potentially this year and great for maybe next season um, when you could have a lot of seniors on this roster. But to me, with a, with a restarting coach and everything else, um, a, a, a season like this with a weird off season, new quarterback, offensive quarterback officially taking over for the first time, I know Kansas won three games last year, and I know that three. Win, I know we always care about what happens as far as wins and losses, but to me, three wins again this year would seem like a step in the right direction, as opposed to not being better. Like I think, I think it would be a big step forward for them not to take a big step back in losses. Um, I have done my 
trying to pick wins and losses for everybody. I'm going to make a whole lot of TCU fans mad when I say that I have Kansas going 3-9 and and the one Big 12 win is a TCU at the end of the season. Um, I'm curious from you guys. First, what would you consider a successful season as far as wins and losses goes? And, and, and do you think they can achieve that? Um, Andy, why don't you take this one first? I mean, I think the the baseline for it to be successful would be three and nine because you know you have to think that both the Baylor game is a potential win just because of all that Baylor's dealing with this year completely changing everything up losing a ton of talent um like it's not a gimme by any means like I could easily see them losing that game but it's at least possible same with the Boston College game where you know yeah I don't expect it to be as bad as it was last year because I think Boston College is going to be a little bit better um but that's also at home so like that's one that you think so you think in their first four games, you can reasonably expect them to get three of those wins at the worst case, getting only two. And then as long as, you know, they're going to win at least one game in the big 12 this year. I don't know where it's going to be. I think TCU is a pretty good bet. I'm actually on the record as saying that they're going to upset Texas, but um, you know, so if that happens though, they're probably, that's probably more of a best case scenario. So they're going to be winning, I think more than just three games. Um, but you know, other games that they could potentially win would be at Texas tech depending on how big of a step West Virginia takes forward, that that one's winnable at this point, just kind of depending on what we've seen. I mean, because, like, they lost that game against West Virginia last year, but, again, it was because the offense couldn't get anything going. And you have a completely different offensive scheme now. So, like, I mean, it's it's not outside the realm of possibility that Kansas could be looking at a bowl game, a best-case scenario here at 6-6. Six and six. I do think, though, it, you know, you cannot be upset with anything um, at 3-9 and nine or better just because of where they're at what they're trying to do. And like you said, you know, they're trying to replace the probably the most, one of the most successful quarterbacks they've had since Todd Reasoning. And that's really saying something because Carter Stanley was somewhat successful, but was not super successful in that position. And so when you think about it, he's one of the most successful since then, um, you know, you've got to hope that they're taking a big step forward because there's a lot of room to do that based off of what Carter Stanley did. And I think a lot of that's going to have to do with just what they're putting together. But you know, like I think three and nine is is the minimum. If it's if it's three and nine, you cannot be mad as a Kansas fan that they didn't improve record wise. Um, but there's definitely room for there to be a much better record. I can't believe I said Stanley Carter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> John, uh, same question to you, man. It's all good. Um, yeah, so I think yeah, I mean I think three wins is definitely. Um, definitely doable this year for sure. And I think that would be kind of the starting point. Um, you want to see him at least get the wins. And I think that'd be a huge step forward. <clears throat> I don't know. I can't, I don't think any coach outside of um, in the last decade, outside of Mangino won three games in a row, twice in a row um, or th- three games in a season twice in a row. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that would be a huge step forward. But I do see when you look at the schedule, you know, there are some teams that, that Kansas could take advantage of if they, you know, again, like Andy said, Baylor. Uh, Baylor last year was almost considered in the playoff, but again, they lost a lot of talent. They have a whole new coach. That's going to, you know, that's going to take some time to get used to. Then you got Texas Tech, um, who we beat last year, who um, I think will have a chance again this year, West Virginia as well. Although I will say West Virginia – they impressed me towards the end of the season. So that'll be interesting. If they build off that momentum, that could be uh, um, maybe not so winnable. Uh, but Texas, 
you know, I did tweet that I guarantee we're going to beat Texas in football. Well, that was because I was in a chat group and I was just trying to upset some Texas fans. Um, <laughs> I actually think Texas is going to win the Big 12 this year. Um, oh, oh, my yeah. God. Wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh so, yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, but anyways, we'll, we'll forget that I said that. Um, <laughs> just, let's just move on past it. The, Fitz, what are you doing to me, Fitz? I know, right? This just came with the 27-minute mark. <laughs> make sure I know where that is to go back and find oh, it. Oh, boy. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I think – I'm not sure that's going to be a, um, a winnable game. But I, I think if we do – if there is a game that we <clears throat> that we surprise – I don't think Texas Tech would be a surprise if we beat them. I don't think Baylor so much would be a surprise. West Virginia, depending on how, that build, how they build from that momentum from last year, um, I don't know that that would be a surprise. But I think if there is one surprise win – I, I think it would be TCU at the end of the year. I think we could we could definitely pull that game off. Um, but, yeah, I think three wins is kind of where you want to see him at. But, like Andy said, you know, you could see six wins. When you look at the schedule, you can see that there are potential for six wins and, and possibly a, a bowl, bowl game. So, And the crazy thing is when you look at last year's team and this year's team, it almost looks like last year's team was – or it, definitely last year's team was more talented because we lost our uh, um, a lot of our secondary. Um, we lost Khalil Herbert, who was a huge part of our offense. We lost Carter Stanley. We lost our best offensive lineman. Um, you know, so there's, uh, you know, a lot of factors in there. But you look at this, the schedule, and, again, you know, it just seems like you can, you can find those uh, six wins. So – um, but I, I would say three for sure is the what, you, what we're looking at. Yeah, the other thing to keep in mind, because you're talking about everything that they lost in that defensive secondary, but you also have to remember that like a lot of the problems they had last year was that the linebackers were just completely hollowed out by injuries. So they got a lot of you know freshmen that got a lot of really valuable experience. And yeah, it wasn't completely successful, but they got a lot of time that they normally wouldn't have seen. Um, you know, they actually have very talented guys in the secondary that are ready to step in. They just didn't really get an opportunity to do it. Um, now, obviously, can't really tell how how much they're actually going to be able to produce once they get to step in. But it's not like they're starting over from scratch completely on the defense. And honestly, the defense was bad enough last year that it probably couldn't have gotten much worse. And that wasn't really due to people doing their jobs poorly. It was due to freshmen that had to step in in spots where you wouldn't expect them to step in just because of injuries or for, uh, because of other things that are going on. And yeah, so there, there's a lot of pieces that are missing, but they're returning a very talented wide receiver core. They're returning, you know, one of the best running backs in the big 12, um, you know, and then Velton Gardner has come on to really kind of, he looked last year kind of like what Puka Williams did for a good portion of his freshman season. Um, it's just, they already had a guy like that in Puka Williams on the roster. So Gardner didn't get to do it nearly as much. We're going to have two guys that have very similar skills set that can be used as weapons all over the field in both the passing game and the running game so they have a lot of options for them it's just going to be the key of can they find a quarterback that's going to be able to put it all together and is going to allow them the opportunity to get those victories uh, where last year they were just knocking on the door all right uh, just so everybody knows uh, my three wins are new hampshire boston college and tcu I don't think Kansas wins a road game. You don't think they'll beat Coastal uh, Carolina look, after that last year? I mean, I, I think the pinata alone I, gives I, them enough motivation that it's gonna like I get it. I just I just look at it and say I don't think they win a road game. I think they have close games. I understand Coastal Carolina is bad. Um, but like 
I think the Baylor game is close. I think that Coastal Carolina game is just a weird road game. I think this season is wacky and trying to predict things in 2020 is... I like trying to shoot fish in the ocean. Like, it's still ridiculously hard. Um, I just... I, I fit three and nine felt right, and those are the three wins that I, that made the most sense to me. And I buy sense. I mean, like uh, some of it's kind of a crapshoot. So all I'm going to say there is, um, when we get closer to that Coastal Carolina game, I am going to be very interested in doing some sort of wager with you on that one because I don't see any way they lose that game. They'll win by three okay. touchdowns at least. As I say, yeah, I yeah. look. I am I am happy to be wrong, and I am happy to watch Kansas go four and eight. <clears throat> like, do I think Kansas can go? 3-0 in non-conference this year. I absolutely do. Boston College is going to be bad. Like, Boston College is going to be bad this year. Like, bad this year. You Kansas should be Boston College. Do I think they should beat Coastal Carolina? Yeah. Should I make Kansas 4-8? and eight? Probably. But I, I, Kansas shouldn't have lost to an FCS team two years ago to open the season. So, I'm just, you know, I, it's a hard time to shake Kansas from Kansas until they show me that they're not Kansas. Makes sense. Understandable. So. Uh, you guys have both been awesome. I want to say thank you very much to have uh, for both of you to join me, Andy, as always, and and yeah, uh, John, do me a favor. First off, again, appreciate your time. Uh, we're going to share your quarterback article so that everybody can find it on our Twitter account. Uh, it's a really good read. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, as someone who doesn't follow Kansas nearly close enough, um, I feel a little bit smarter. So do me a favor. If anybody wants to check out the work you're doing now covering Kansas, where can they do so? Yeah. So uh, first, you can follow me on on Twitter. I'm uh, the Fitz Ku, and uh, the site that I'm blogging for is Saturday Tailgate. I believe it's it's actually Saturday, and then there's a hyphen tailgate.com. And uh, yeah, if you go there, and there's it's all it's all Big Twelve. So uh, a bunch of guys that just write for Big Twelve football. And so if if you go there and you look at some Ku stuff, you can also check out some other um, schools as well. So if you want to see, you know, other competition, um, see what, what KU's looking up, looking at how they're looking for, you know, against other teams, um, you know, that's, it's a good spot for that as well. And these guys are all incredible writers. So I'm definitely uh, honored to, to work with them. Andy, have you fixed your uh, Twitter problem yet? No, unfortunately I, I tried to talk with Twitter again about getting it fixed. And they basically said, Hey, you've already talked to us. So we're just going to attach this to this old case. that has been dormant for over a month. So it's lots of fun. I'm still over on Twitter at rock chalk pod. That's my podcast site. It's now turned into my personal one, which is interesting at times. Um, but of course I also <laughs> still write for KU uh, over at rock chalk talk. And then obviously I'm our, our Kansas lead over at land grant Godwin as well. Guys. Thanks again. Uh, look, I'll say it. I hope Kansas wins some games. It'd be nice to see Kansas not be terrible. Um, I will also always root for Kansas to beat Texas because it's really fun when that happens. Uh, just don't beat Oklahoma State. I'd appreciate it. And uh, look forward to seeing uh, – man, just just looking forward to see football. Hey, man. Let's hope it happens this year, man. That's, you know, not to be a Debbie Downer, but it's um, scaring me. I'll just say that. Yeah, the hope is that all these COVID cases are what we expected was going to have to happen when everybody got back together and that it's not something that pushes back to start the season so yeah yeah agreed first two weeks will tell it all for sure
Sports Social Podcast Network.